You know, I really have, I have preached this morning. I do have a sermon. I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, maybe if I would preach one thing, it would be just one little aspect of this sermon. And it's actually something that as I had finished my notes last night and this morning as I sat uh, and I'm going over my sermon notes again, I felt like the Spirit of God just started to quicken even more to me. And uh, so I might just share just one short, small aspect of this message. Uh, you know, because it was, it's the Christmas season, um, obviously I always get stirred by the fact that the world makes Christmas everything but what it really is. And I, I, I feel jealous for God. And, uh, you know, I feel sometimes perturbed on behalf of the Lord. This is his day. This was meant to be the proclamation of good news to all men. Salvation has come. And it's become about some overweight guy who needs to go to Jenny Craig who runs around in red pajamas and uh, says ho, ho, ho a lot and gives gifts to kids. And uh, <clears throat> I hope I didn't just squash any sacred cows. And if I did throw it on the fire, it needs to die anyway, so... Um, can I get a bit of a smile or a laugh? Or an, we, we need cue cards. Applause, laugh, make the pastor feel good. All right. But uh, in, in the spirit of all that, I hear the world constantly talking about the Christmas spirit or the spirit of Christmas. And while they mean well, they have no idea what the spirit of Christmas or the Christmas spirit is. And so I've been talking along those lines from when we had the banquet. By the way, didn't we have an awesome banquet here? Wasn't that great? Yeah, amen. We, we've actually been talking for a while now, and we're four times a year, we're going to have like a potluck lunch in the multipurpose room and rent inflatables for uh, Omega and for Kids Connect, and we'll just hang after church and have lunch and have some interaction. It won't necessarily be set up in here. It'll be set up in there and in the different departments. But uh, yeah, the Christmas banquet was great. The spirit of Christmas. We, we sometimes hear or sing the song on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, the second day, the third day, 12 days. And uh, there are many explanations as to what is the origin of that song. And quite honestly, I don't care. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, it conveys a concept of celebrating Christmas ongoingly with gifts for 12 days. And what I do find interesting is this, that Christmas is all about the fact that God has come to the world to give and he has brought gifts you see in ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 it says but this it's talking about jesus after he came down from heaven lived his life was crucified he descended to the lower regions of the earth that's what it says in ephesians he visited sheol 
And then he ascended. We know when he ascended. He was talking to his disciples. And then right there by the Mount of Olives, where one day, by the way, the Bible says he's coming back to that same place. It's interesting. The disciples are standing at the Mount of Olives and they're saying to Jesus, when are you going to come again? When are you going to establish your kingdom? And he's standing at the very place that the prophet said that he will return. I love God has a great sense of irony, a great sense of humor. He's very subtle, and then it hits you like a ton of bricks. Uh, God has a lot of character and personality, and I love seeing those aspects of him in the Word. But it says here, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives And he gave gifts to his people. Now, we won't go into any depth of what it means he took many captives. But prior to Jesus taking the keys of hell and death, when he died on the cross, he went into the belly of hell and he defeated Satan and he took the keys of hell and death. Until that time. I don't have the time to theologically show you in Scripture the foundation of all of this. It's not as important for this sermon, but I'll quickly say until that time when righteous men and women who are waiting for Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, when they died, they went into a compartment of uh, Hades called Sheol. And it was a place where the righteous were. And Jesus came down, and Peter talks about this as well in his letter. He says he preached to them, to those who were righteous men, who were waiting for the Messiah. And he preached to them. And he said, I'm here. And then he entered into the dark side of Hades, and he went head to head with Satan and all of hell's angels. And single-handedly, on his worst day, he came out victoriously. Amen. Amen. You know, women talk about a bad hair day. (laughs) He had a bad hair day, a bad beard day, a bad nail day. Uh, No pun intended. Uh, But, you know, his day was wrecked from top to bottom. And on his worst human day ever, he conquered all of hell. There is no comparison to the power that is in Christ to the power of all of hell combined together. The voice of Jesus singing over you is more powerful than the roar of 20,000 demons. Amen. Amen. There's no comparison. One is God, the other's a created being, and he's fallen. No comparison. But having said that, it says that as Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to man. And very quickly, I want to get to one point in particular and we'll wrap today up. It says he gave gifts to man. In Romans chapter 6, 23, we see that he gives eternal life or salvation. The wages, the pay packet, what we end up earning through a life, of mistakes, of hurt, hurting others. A life of sin is death. That's what our wages are. But the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the gifts, the first and most fundamental and most important gift that Jesus came to give in this spirit of Christmas was that he gave his life so that our lives can be spared. He gave his life and he went through all the penalties that you and I would have gone through if we had not accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, and verse 8 and 9, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our own sins or transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your life, this is the most spectacular gift of all. Because in receiving this gift, it's like the gift that has a gift inside it, that has a gift inside it, that has a gift inside it, that has a gift inside it. It's the gift that never stops giving. It's the gift with many, 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 many positive repercussions. They say that when they dropped the uh, atom bomb, it went out like waves of destruction. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, it's like a bomb to the kingdom of darkness, but it sends out waves of healing, waves of restoration, waves of gifts, waves of benefits. Amen. One of the things that we benefit from this eternal life is that we receive the right to be God's children. The right to be God's children. You ever see little kids that maybe they've had a very unfortunate family-type background and they look at you almost longingly as you're playing with your kids or cuddling your kids and your kids are laughing and they're fearless in your arms and they're all starry-eyed as they're interacting with you and you see some little kid, you know, cowering behind an adult in the supermarket that they're traveling with and looking almost with a wishful look. My daddy is God. And we have been adopted. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you've received the right to be sons of God. And wow, that wouldn't be a good thing if he was the oppressive picture of God that a lot of religious people conjure up. But to receive the right to be a child of God is actually an awesome thing. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a blessing because God is a good God and he's a great dad. Can I get an amen? In John, the gospel of John, verse, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who receive him, if you haven't received Jesus Christ, you might know about him. 
But Christmas isn't Christmas unless you understand that Christmas is about receiving. God sent His Son. God did what He had to do. But you have to receive Him. To all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Now, this is the point that I want to make to all of you. Those of you that are already born again, you've already had this spiritual birth. We've all been born in the flesh. Raise your hand if you haven't been born in the flesh. My point exactly. We've all been born in the flesh. But the Bible says that the same way we're born in the flesh, we have to be born of the Spirit. Born of the flesh, we're born of biological, earthly people. But when we are born of the Spirit, we are born from God. Born in the flesh by natural parents, we bear the likeness of our paternal parents in DNA. And we receive portions of their DNA, combinations of their DNA, and it affects our appearance. It affects our physique. You see, <laughs> I blame my father for the way I look. <laughs> we receive physical attributes, physical appearance, appearance uh, our physical bodies, our capabilities, some of what our bodies are capable of doing in terms of athletic ability or whatever it might be. Through DNA, we receive the strengths or the weaknesses of their biology, their organs, and their metabolism. And from their DNA, our body, from its appearance to how it functions, is, is coded from their DNA. But then there's something else that we inherit from our biological parents, and it's character and personality. And I believe that's what's translated from the soul, the soul of a woman and the soul of a man. The Bible says that when we come together sexually, we're one. The world, this culture today, treats sex like it's just an action, an activity. What people don't understand, and sometimes people in church don't understand, is that the reason why the Bible says fornication is wrong. What's fornication? It's sex with another person, neither one is married, and you, you just engage in sex back and forth. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong because sex is bad. The Bible says it's wrong because Two souls are joined. And then when those two people come apart, it rips at the soul and creates hurts. It creates bruises. It creates conflicts. It creates fears. It creates issues. And in the brokenness of our soul, that's where little demons can set up strongholds. And then they start to manipulate us from the past hurts in our lives. And so, scripturally, it's like the Apostle Paul says, he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one with her. 
No way. Thank you, ma'am. I just paid my money. No, he says you become one. The soul unites, and there are soul ties. And when we give birth together, the soul of a mother and the soul of a father impute. They Im- it Im- imputes character, personality. It's like, you know, <laughs> my father had this habit of um, whenever he would be sitting down and he's thinking to himself, you could always tell when he was having a conversation with another person because his eyebrows would go up and down. And he's sitting in an armchair and all these facial reactions are going on and his eyebrows are almost waving at you. You could see whether it's a pleasant conversation, heated conversation, et cetera, et cetera. Well, lo and behold, guess what? I didn't sit down and take lessons, but my family tell me I do exactly the same thing. And so I could be sitting down on the couch and my son will walk by and he'll say, who are you talking to, dad? And that's when I want to say, shut up, I'm not talking to you. (laughs) And no, I don't say shut up. We could say, well, that is subconsciously learned. Maybe. But there are character traits that come out in infants that aren't even subconsciously learned. It's like, you know, little Judah was sitting down the other day and uh, he, he had a toy in front of him and he's concentrating. And when he concentrates, his bottom lip sticks out like this. And all of a sudden, all my kids are laughing and go, and I'm hearing them say, there's a Scarallo feature. Even from infancy, we'll see certain personality quirks that come from a mother or a father or even a grandfather. And I don't believe that stuff is in DNA. I believe that stuff is from the soul. Two souls become one and they give birth and out of their life, new life comes. So we inherit from DNA, we inherit from soul. This scripture says we have the right to become sons of God. Can I tell you that if we can inherit, if flesh gives birth to flesh, and we can inherit the likeness even going back a couple of generations, let's talk about soul again for a second. The Bible says that sins are passed down to the third and fourth generation. And what will happen is that Issues in our family line, the spirit of that sin and the spirit of those issues can often pop up generation or two generations down the road. You see, we impart or parents will impute in the realm of the soul and we pick up like a soulish DNA. But if the flesh can give birth to flesh and we can take heritage from several generations back and it manifests in us, then what power does the Spirit of God have when it gives birth? The flesh is a powerful thing. DNA is a powerful thing. It is the complete wiring of our makeup. 
But let me tell you, flesh has a beginning and it has an end. And in the end, it'll be dust to dust and ashes to ashes. But spirit is life. It goes on forever. So what gets imparted, what gets imputed to us by the spirit? And this is the point that I wanted to make today. And then we'll all go home and have a a great New Year's Eve and a New Year's celebration. But I want to leave you with something very important. Christmas goes on in the spirit of giving forever. And one of the things that we have received is this right to be children of God, but we have, if we've received from the flesh DNA and we've received from the soul the personality quirks and likeness of our parents and our forefathers, then we will also be the bearer, the likeness in the spirit if we are born again of God. Can I get an agreement? You see, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed. Some translations say not of a corruptible seed. I like that. Not of a corruptible seed. I love my father. He's with the Lord now. I admire him. I, was he the greatest dad? He lost his dad when he was 11 years old. He didn't know how to be a dad. But he was a man of integrity. He was a great pastor. He, he genuinely loved people. And his motivation was honestly to just serve the Lord and serve the people. He was a great man. I, I admire his integrity. He didn't know how to be a dad. I had to learn Italian so that I could talk with my father. But he loved me. And I love him. And I, I look forward to seeing him again. And I will. I love my mom. She's 95. She just turned 95 on the 13th of December. And uh, I know we, we won't have her much longer. I love her. But... I bear the likeness of my spiritual dad. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. My parents have a corruptible seed, just like I have corruptible seed. But you haven't been born of corruptible seed or perishing seed. You've been born again of an incorruptible seed. If we will bear the likeness of perishable seed, if through DNA and through soul of a fallen man, beings that will live and then die, we can be impacted from even three, four generations before us, how much more God, a living spirit who never dies, when we're born of him, we receive an imputation from him and from his character and from his personality. You see, I am privileged to have this gift of salvation it entitles me to be a child of God but entitling me to be a child of God it deposits in me the likeness and the character of who God is well, what am I saying well let me show you something here in scripture and those of you that have been with me a while, you know I quote this from time to time. I love this scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. 
And uh, it says here, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, who's that? Adam. The many were made sinners. They were made sinners. They didn't start as sinners. They were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Hey, Matt, I know I've got you on the spur at a moment, buddy, and you, you, you do such a good job, and this is some of the stuff I added this morning. Do you think, can we find Romans chapter 5, verse 17, so that they know I'm not just pulling it out of the air? Thank you, sir. Everyone give Matt a big round of applause. He really works hard back there. He works with me, and I appreciate it. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, who's that? Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. We read that through religious eyes and we think, okay, when I get to heaven, I'll be made righteous. No, what that's saying is over the ages to come, as people are born again, they will be instantaneously, as they're born again, made righteous. Are you hearing? You see, religious eyes will always take powerful truth the, the religious spirit, and will always project it as a future thing. No. You, the many will be made righteous. When? As they ask Jesus Christ into their heart. You see, the first Adam had the power to impact the world immediately. His sin and his decision immediately affected the atmosphere. Immediately. I talked about atmospheres earlier. Immediately. That's when Satan became the God of this world. Prior to that, Adam held the authority to govern the earth. But when he submitted to the, uh, Satan in the garden, he handed over the governorship, and that's when Satan took up residence in the heavens immediately, the first heaven surrounding the earth. Prior to that, God used to walk on the earth in the cool of the day. God makes his last appearance right after the fall, and you never see God walking on the earth in the cool of the day again. You see, in the book of Revelation, when God renews all things, you know what he's going to do? He will recreate this existing earth. And the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. His temple will be in there. And God will walk in the cool of the day on the earth. You see, there's a lot to patterns. That's why I said about tithes. You can say, oh, well, that's old. No. The patterns of the Old Testament are type and a foreshadow of how things work in the heavens. Are you all with me? Are you hearing me? And so God's going to walk on the cool of the day, uh, in the cool of the day on the earth with us. And kings and nobles will bring the produce from their nations. And literally, wherever God plants that, and I believe that the New Jerusalem is going to fit that same geographical area that God initially said to Abraham, from this point to that point to that point to this point, your descendants will inherit that. Well, the descendants of Abraham are not the biological descendants, just like Paul said. It's all those who accept the promised seed of faith. 
The geographical area that God mapped out for Abraham is two-thirds the size of continental USA. By the way, if you read in the book of Revelation, when the angel measures the new Jerusalem, when you translate that into today's measurements, it's two-thirds the size of the USA. You see, sin separates. And it caused the heavens of God to separate from the earth. And now the first heavens became filled with a demonic atmosphere. So the first Adam sinned and he impacted the atmosphere. He impacted the earth. A curse came on the earth and his children immediately, he, his wife, and his children immediately now had a fallen nature and sin was present. If the first Adam who was only a human being could have such power to impart how much more power the Son of God has when we are born again of Him. Yeah, absolutely. You see, we don't understand the gift that we've received. We, we think of salvation just in terms of, yay, my sins are forgiven. High five. Are you glad your sins are forgiven? I'm glad my sins are forgiven. I'm glad you'll never get to read what some of my sins were. Woo! Hallelujah! You'll never get to see the real ugly, dirty stuff about Pastor Rob. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad my sins are forgiven. I'm glad my name is written in the book of life. But there's something explosive that is an ongoing wave of salvation and that is that God has birthed in me the fullness of all of his character and personality. You say, how so? Why do you still act the way you act? Matt, I'm going to take you through the hoops today. Here's a scripture. It's not even in the notes. If you would pull up Romans chapter 12, Verse 1 and 2. I want to show you something. This is a very common scripture, but I want to show you and pull out a truth that isn't necessarily very commonly spoken about. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everyone look at me. If I'm still born... Of all the stuff, Adam made us sinners, okay? I can renew this. I could think as differently as I want. But if I'm still made of that DNA, that's all I'm going to be. Worldly people renew their minds. They think positive thoughts, correct? And it can have positive effects on their performance and their attitude. But what Paul is saying here is, can I have the slide for kathisteme? That word made 
in the, Hebrew, in the Greek, made is the word kathisteme. And what it means is the first Adam changed our constitution. The first Adam, we were made in the image of God. We fell and we were no longer in the image of God. And the first Adam made us sinners. He set down, he set in order, he appointed, he made a constitutional change. But the same word made is used when it says, but the last Adam made us righteous. He's changed our constitution. So you say, well, why am I still the way I am? Because we, we run a little bit of interference between here and here. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. That word reckon means take an inventory, take full account, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and start taking mental inventory. You're not who you used to be. You are now born again in the image of God. Before you were slaves to sin, now you've been freed from the law of sin and death, and you are slaves of righteousness. There's a change. I died on the cross with Jesus. What died? My new self that is born again? No, the old self that mirrored the image of the first Adam. And when Jesus rose from the dead... I became a new creation. There's a new me. I am born of God. What am I saying? Listen, we have to renew this and come into agreement. And whatever character flaws we act out of, we have to renew this and stop saying, I can't help it. Well, that's just me. That's who I am. Take it or leave it. Sweetheart, even you need to leave it. I need to leave it. That mirrors the old Adam. But there's something even more powerful inside of you and me. And if we can get this to come into agreement with what the Word of God says, the transformation that happened at our new birth will start to flow. You see, it's not what I have to become. It's who I already am. This is running interference. Hello? If you're convinced you can't, you can't. If you're convinced you never will, you never will. But the truth of the matter is you are born of God. For the fullness of God's character and personality was in Jesus while Jesus walked on the earth in bodily form. Would you all say amen? Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9. And verse 10 says, And the fullness of everything that is in Christ is in you. Amen. You see, the spirit of Christmas, yeah, my sins are forgiven. Yeah, my name's written in the book of life. And I have a whole sermon. I've got a whole list of stuff that I could read. I'm not going there. But I want to leave you with this. Part of your salvation is now, the same way in the natural Your physical body took the DNA of your parents' physical coding, and your soul took the character traits of your mother and your father. 
your spirit has taken on the likeness of your Father from heaven. There is more power inside of you. There is more goodness inside of you. There is more character of Christ inside of you than what we realize. That's why we need to reckon ourselves dead to the flesh. Take inventory. Stop agreeing with, like I said last week, your demons. Stop inviting them to the table and saying, well, I can't help it. Yeah, you know, this one problem I can't get over. You already got over it. God birthed a new you. You need to change your talk and come into agreement with the Word of God and stop confessing bondage or slavery to sin. Start confessing supremacy in the freedom of the righteousness of God that is now inside of you. You see, I can't think of a better Christmas gift than to get the life of God living inside of me. <laughs> That's better than handing me a brand new car. Because if you knew what was inside of me, you'd be celebrating that there's something new inside of me. Come on, you can laugh a little bit. Because I'm talking about you as well. Amen. The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of God giving gifts after gifts after gifts. And one of the great gifts after we become sons of God is that sons bear his likeness. So as we close, in fact, stand with me. For everyone who has received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat after me. I am no longer who I used to be. I reckon, I take inventory, the old me is dead. The power of my flesh was broken at the cross. And the power of Jesus' Spirit is what lives inside of me. All of God's goodness, all of His character traits, and all the supernatural power of His Spirit has been put into my spirit. I want everyone to visualize a candy jar. Think of your favorite candies. Snickers. Three Musketeers. Think of your favorite candies. I want you to think of the fruit of the Spirit, the character traits of God. And I want you to think of the gifts of the Spirit, supernatural gifts. The gift of discernment, words of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing the gift of miracles, they're all inside that cookie jar or candy jar. And you can put your hand in that candy jar and take out whatever candy you want. You see, we keep seeing ourselves after the flesh. That's why Paul says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, behold, he is a new creation. And we will no longer see anyone. We will not look at a born-again person 
after the flesh anymore, as they are in the natural. When I look at Galen here, I'm not going to see who he is after the first Adam. I'm going to see who he is after the image of Jesus Christ. When you look in the mirror, stop seeing your biological parents, the combination of their DNA and the combination of their soul. Stop seeing your past. Stop seeing who you have been. When you look in the mirror, see that candy jar filled with all the fruit of God's character and all the gifts of God's spirit and know that Christ in you is the hope or the reason for stepping into the glory of God. The fullness of God was in Jesus in bodily form. And the fullness of Christ is in you. Now you can't top that for a Christmas present. I want you as his sons and daughters to constantly remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And stop the interference that runs here in your mind. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Why? Because when I get my mind in agreement, what's already been changed here will start to flow out there. I believe I am who He says I am. Come on, say it. I believe I am who He says I am. I am a new creation. The Son of God not only lives in me, He's put His stuff in me. I am as He is. I am clothed in the character and the power of my Father through Jesus Christ who set me free. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Amen. You can do it. You already have the victory. Amen. You can rise up. There are so many more gifts I could go through. So many more. He's given you an intercessor who prays for you all the time. He's given you a position. He lifted you above the, hev the first heavens. And you're seated in heavenly places above the realm of demonic activity. Why? So that you get a good tourist perspective? No. Because you are no longer under the God of this world. You are above the God of this world. You've got a position above Him. He might be your enemy, but He's the loser. Come on, say it. He might be my enemy. Good on you, that's it. But he's the loser. And I'm the conqueror through Jesus Christ. That's why you're seated in heavenly places. One of the things that hurts me as a teacher and as a pastor is that we get these phenomenal spiritual truths and then we just, we learn them like religious phrases. 
and never enter into the revelation of the reality of what it means. When God says you're seated in heavenly places, He's saying He has pulled you out of the strata field above the realm of the kingdom of darkness. And now purely by logistics, they are under your feet. And by the blood of Jesus, they really are under your feet. Because He has conquered the enemy and He is the head and you are His body. So in both senses, they are under your feet. Don't party with demons and wallow in your defeat and what you can't do. Don't let fear tell you how tomorrow's going to be. My destiny is not written by the spirit of fear. Your destiny is not written by the spirit of fear. My beginning and my end is in his hand. He is the author and the perfecter of my faith. He is the writer of my destiny. Fear doesn't have a say-so in the life of Rob Scarello because that life has been bought with the blood of Jesus and taken out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's precious son. Hallelujah. The enemy's under my feet, not because of what I did, but because of what I inherited, the gift of salvation. The devil doesn't want the sons of God to get the revelation that they are sons of God because he'll cop a beating. Amen. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, I'm not even going to ask people to close their eyes. You either understand what you're about to get and appreciate it. If I have to twist your arm you haven't understood. If you've never asked Christ into your heart, if He's not your Lord and Savior, if you don't know that you're born of God, I know I'm born of Alfonso and Mary Scarello, but I also know I am born of God. And He and all that He is has been imputed into me so that now it can be out imparted out from me. Amen. Amen. If you have, you're not sure if you're born of God, raise your hand right now and say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Come on. Come on. While I'm standing on the chairs, if I could stand on the chair, you can raise your hand. Come on. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, today you need to be born again. Going to church does, <laughs> there's no comparison. An unsaved person could come to church and say, what do they get out of this? And then all of a sudden, one day you ask Jesus in your heart, and it's like, wow, this is so cool coming to church. If you've never asked Jesus one last time, raise your hand. Then if you're all born again here, turn to somebody and say, I refuse to see you after the flesh. I see you filled with everything that is in Jesus Christ. Come on, do it right now. Come on.
Now, now say to that person, you're better than you think. Come on, say it. Say it to each other. Say, I believe in you. Come on, say it. Because of the word of God, I believe in you. I believe in the Christ who is in you. Come on, say it to somebody, say it. You know why I want you to say it to somebody? Because I want you to get used to saying it to the person you see in the mirror every morning. I want you to say it to that person. I believe in you. I believe in you because Jesus is in you. I believe you're made of better stuff. I believe that everything that makes Jesus wonderful is inside of you. Absolutely. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation's already taken place. How that should read is let the transformation out by coming into agreement in your mind with the fact that Jesus said, it is finished. Yes. Amen. 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 How many of you feel like you just got a Christmas gift? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Next week, first Sunday of the year, I'm going to preach about another wonderful gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, if you want to receive the baptism, you want to start stepping into a supernatural lifestyle, to be able to pray in a language so that your spirit talks directly to God without your brain running interference. The ability to eventually start laying hands on someone and seeing God heal them. The ability as a grandma to look into your, your, your grandchild here and get a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom and speak straight from the mind of God. Listen, the church has settled for too little. There is too much of, uh, of Christ in us for us to be dead and limp. America needs the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and rise up and be everything God has vested her with. The future of this nation is in the hands of the church, not the White House. The righteous house of God, you. You all keep looking to your politics way too much. I'm going to tell you, you can get PO'd at me tough. Neither the Democrats or the Republicans are going to produce a world changer. Only the Spirit of God can produce a world changer. And you know who the world changer is? It's the church. Come on, let's take on the fullness of God's Spirit. Let the Spirit of Christ rise up in each and every one of us. We are a gift of God to the world. We are the salt that can preserve this nation. We are the light that can bring hope in a world of darkness. We are the influence that can change society when we allow God to have all of us and we take hold of all of Him. Can I get an amen? amen? God bless you. 
Have an awesome week, guys. You're an overcomer. You're victorious. The fullness of Christ is in you. Amen. God bless you.